Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. resolutions actually last and so they did a study in 2016 you're going to be surprised at what they found out or maybe you won't be here here's what they discovered they discovered that only 64 percent of new year's resolutions last longer than the first month that doesn't surprise you does it and only 46 percent last longer than six months and and then it gets really discouraging for a certain group of people in this room right now because what they discovered is that only 14% of people over 50 years old actually achieve their resolution compared to 39% of the people in their 20s. All right, so y'all didn't understand what I just read apparently. What that apparently means, it, it apparently proves that it is correct. You cannot teach old dogs new tricks. It's either that or maybe when we hit 50, we are so incredibly comfortable in our routine that we won't change anything, all right? So I don't know, maybe, maybe not. So, But, but we've been talking about the fact that uh, since it's a new year and people make New Year's resolutions, we've been talking about uh, being quitters because we've learned that there are some things that you need to quit and there are other things you don't need to quit and our victory is wrapped up in being able to figure out which is which, right? And so we've been going through scripture and I have discovered and I'm continuing to discover that the Bible is full of information about people who quit. And so we're going to keep digging and get some lessons out of this. So I want you to uh, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, uh, this particular passage that I'm going to read to you is full of lessons about quitting, more than I can even spend today on. So I'm just going to mention three quickly, and then I'm going to dig down on three. But let me give you some backdrop. I, I'm going to read in 1 Kings chapter 19. You probably need to go back in your private time and read 1 Kings chapter 18, because 1 Kings chapter 18 sets this scene. Elijah being concerned that the children of Israel are worshiping the, 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 the idol Baal calls for a showdown on top of Mount Carmel, and uh, he kills the 450 prophets of Baal. God answers with fire, and it's a great revival, right? That's 1 Kings 18. This is 1 Kings 19. Listen to what happens. I'm going to read a bunch of scripture today, more than I normally do, so just you got to kind of almost see the whole chapter. So listen to what it says. Isabel, everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. He's talking about, she's talking about the uh, prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal that Elijah had killed the day before. And so she, uh, she's threatening him and says, I'm going to make you like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He's quitting. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. So he, he was strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, and the Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He kind of exaggerated a little bit. Only Jezebel was trying to kill him, right? But okay, so this is what we do when we get ready to quit. We exaggerate. That one was free. Um, then a great and powerful wind, uh, back up, then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the, uh, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and sh- shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and the fire came, after the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then fast forward to verse 18, after uh, he's having this dialogue with God, this is what God says to him, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is, is there are about six lessons in here I can teach you, probably more than that. So I just want to mention three. And then I'm going to spend my time on three of the, the, the other three, okay? So here, here are the first three. Just going to mention them uh, just because I think you, they, they help us. The, number one is quit isolating yourself when God is trying to push you into necessary relationships. Okay, that one was just free. You don't have to help me. Uh, uh, I've just noticed that loners have a tendency to quit. When you're all by yourself and you don't have anybody to lean on, nobody that you can turn to, you have this tendency to quit. And a lot of times God is sending you in purposely into relationships that are essential for your survival. And if we're not careful, we quit those relationships way too early and we find ourselves in trouble. Quit going it alone. There are necessary relationships. And the problem with that is that some of us, especially in the new year, we make these commitments to become more connected, but then life gets in the way, and we pull back into isolation, into our little cocoon, and we miss it. Are you all here this morning? That one was free. You don't have to help me on that one. So the second one is free is this. Quit running away from a fight that you've been called to win. Some Some of us are trying to pray our way out of things that God has called us to conquer. We just want him to rescue us and get us out of it because we don't want to go through the fight necessary to win it. But sometimes God is sending us into battles that he expects us to win and we need to quit running away from those battles and those fights that he expects us to persevere in. All right, three, quit relaxing after a victory. Uh, I've discovered that usually uh, the, the fact is is that the biggest battles take place immediately after winning a great victory. And here's why. We are the most vulnerable right after a great victory. And we let down. And we go, oh, that was rough, but I won. I'm so glad. And we let our guard down, and then we get attacked, and we can't withstand. So those are the three that are free. So here are the things I felt like God wanted us to uh, drill down on this, this morning. Uh, in 2019, if we are going to be victorious, we've got to learn these three lessons. We've got to quit mistaking 
a season for a sentence. So I need you to understand that, that Elijah gets a word that Jezebel is making threats. And because he's faced with an immediate threat, he mistakes what was supposed to be a short season for a life sentence. He, 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 goes, he goes like this, this, that's it, Jezebel's after me, it's over, it's never going to change, I'm done, I, 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 I might as well throw in the towel, I might as well just turn and turn and say, oh, that's, I, I give up, I quit, I throw my hands up in there, kill me God because it's over, she's after me. It was only supposed to be a momentary season, just a short season of his life where she's making these threats, but, but he's convinced that nothing's ever going to change, nothing's ever going to be different, it's always going to be like this. And my concern is, is there are a lot of us that are so consumed with what we're facing in a moment that we forget this lesson right here that we need to pick up this morning. This too shall pass. And so what happens is we think a season is a life sentence, and so we give up hope for the future, we give up any hope for healing, we won't take any steps of faith, because the immediate issue has so consumed us that we are now convinced that it's always going to be like this, and even though we sing, he has no rival, and he has no equal, and he's more than sufficient, and he's more than enough, and he has all this power, and all this authority, we act as if it will always be just like this, and we turn seasons into life sentences. Remember, I need you to remember something this morning. Seasons change. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. Don't surrender now. Don't throw in the towel now. The season may be tough and the season may be threatening. It may be a loud season. It may even be a painful season, but it is a season. Seasons change unless We allow ourselves to get stuck in a season. So I I need your help. I I, I need you to kind of look at your neighbor right now and say, it's just a season. Come on, tell them. It's just a season. Just remind them, it's just a season. I know what you're going through is difficult. It's just a season. Tell your other neighbor, this too will pass. Come on, tell them, this will pass. See, I'm I'm convinced that that's an important lesson for us to learn because I've recognized and I've learned this is that God can't talk to to us about next if we're convinced that now is all we will ever know. I'm going to say that again. I think we've got to get that down in our spirit. I'm convinced that God won't talk to us about our next if we're only convinced that we will always have now. We get locked in, we get depressed, we get discouraged, we get disillusioned because we only focus on the season we're in now. And we, even though we know the seasons outside change, we we are not convinced that our spiritual seasons will ever change. Seasons change. Just hang on. The second lesson that I think we need to understand in this new year is this, is that we must learn this lesson. We've got to quit overlooking provisions because we have problems. I'm, okay, because I want you to notice what takes place. I'm talking to you about this account. I'm just, I'm just reading Bible to you. I just want you to notice what takes place. Elijah, running from Jezebel, is convinced that she's going pers- gonna, gonna to kill him and she's going to pursue him and that she's going to win. So he goes on this journey and an angel finds Elijah where? In the desert, in the wilderness. It's a dry and a barren wilderness. This is not, this is not uh, 
lush with green pastures. He's out in the wilderness, and the angel finds him there, and he's laying down under a bush, and the angel wakes him up and has prepared for him a home-cooked meal, biscuits. The only thing missing was some gravy. Wasn't a southern angel. All right? And a jug of water. So food and water in the desert were essential. But apparently Elijah is, has embarked upon a suicide mission. Literally. Because he goes into the wilderness unprepared. With no provisions. No water, no food. And an angel finds him and two times in a row this angel walks up and feeds and hydrates Elijah and sustains him and doesn't just feed him a little bit, sustains him for a 40-day on-foot journey. And then the Bible says that Elijah, when he gets to where he's going, which is on Mount Horeb, he crawls up into a cave, spends the night, and the next morning he comes out complaining. I'm the only one. They've all turned their back on you. You've forgotten me. Just kill me. I want you to understand and notice, I think it's essential to notice, that there's no hint of gratitude. There's no hint of recognition that an angel has come out of nowhere and saved my life. There is no, no, not even a glimpse of any understanding that the Lord has come through because he was, he was so focused on his problems that he missed the fact that God's hand was at work in his life. And not only was his hand at work in his life, that God had just come through in the driest moment of his life. He never even stops and recognizes. His problems caused him to pout rather than ponder. See, I'm convinced that some of us who are facing significant issues already in this new year, or maybe you haven't begun to face significant issues yet, but there's this potential that most likely, just hang on, baby, because seasons change, you probably will have some significant problems this year that if we're not careful, we become so focused on our problems that, that we will walk past miracles due to our pain. See, if we're not careful, then what we do is we miss provision and we miss the small things that God does for us. I, I'm just going to mention uh, a, a few of them that maybe we ought to stop and recognize because if we're not careful, we will find ourselves conducting ourselves just like Elijah did and in our dryness and in our barrenness and in our brokenness and in our pain-filled condition, the, the Father will step in and provide provision, and if we're not careful, we will limp right past love and never recognize that He sent somebody to love us. And we will walk right past the fact that He sent people into our life to sustain us and to console us and to care for us. And we will walk right past the fact that He allowed us to get the, che the check we did get. We, 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 we need to stop and take note of what what God has done. See, if we're not careful, uh, this is what Elijah do, does. He, he's not careful. So, so in his own brokenness and his own complete focus and attention to his issue and his problem, he ends up 
with a full belly and an empty heart. And what he should have had was a full belly and a full heart, recognized that his father loved him so much that he wouldn't let him perish under that broom tree. And I wonder how many of us are already in 2019, our hands are full of provision, but our heart is empty because we won't stop and recognize the one that sent the provisions to us in the first place. And so our hands are full, but we go, nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. My father has forgotten me. And he's standing there going, wait a minute. I'm the one that sent you that. Wait a minute. I'm the one that provided that for you. Wait a minute. Don't you even recognize I went out of my way to work miracles in your life. But because there's small miracles, you don't even recognize. I want us to understand that we cannot let drought make us doubt. You may be going through a dry season in your life right now, but you cannot doubt God's provision in your life if you would just stop and recognize that he's doing small things. I know your problem is real. I recognize that what you face is big, but take an account of what God has done because what he has done helps you, if you recognize it, take note of it, positions you to understand that he's not finished with you and he will continue to do. Because we take note of those things, it increases our faith for what he can do about our problem. I'm just concerned because I watch so many of us time and time again. We see God step in. We see God step in. And all we can do is roll out of our cave and go, God, you haven't done what I asked you to do. But he's done things in your life that you need to stop and thank him for. Just because he hasn't given you everything does not mean he has given you nothing. I'm going to say that again. Just because he hasn't given you everything does not mean he has given you nothing. Maybe the everything that he wants to give you is contingent upon you being thankful for what he's already given you. Because it is our thankfulness that releases him and causes him to want to show up and do more. Uh, you say, well, how do you know that? Because, because isn't that how we are? Because, man, if I do something for somebody and they're not very thankful for it, do you think I want to do anything else for them? them that sorry sucker, they never, they never said thank you. I went out of my way. I took the $20. I was going to do something for me, and I did it for them. And they won't even say thank you. You think I'm going to do something else for that sorry person? You, you, they, huh? but, but, then, but then you find these people. I went out of my way. I, gave, I, like, I had two bucks in my pocket, and they asked me for help, and I handed them two bucks. And they're like, thank you so much. You don't even understand. It was, then I get a thank you note in the mail. I, it was two dollars. It cost them more to mail the thing than I gave them. And, and but they're thankful. And they and every time I see them for the next three months, they're like, "Hey, you remember when you gave me that two dollars? I didn't have that two dollars." And all of a sudden, you know what I want to do? I want to get I want to get my wallet open and give them everything I've got. I'm like, "Here's here's the keys to my car. Here's my house key. Take my kids, please. Take my kids. Here's everything." Our father is just like that. I wonder sometimes if we sing that he is sufficient and he has more than enough, but we never experience more than enough because we're not thankful for just enough. Okay, I, I'm not making fun of the people that had to do this. I, I'm just saying, how many of you had to sleep outside last night in 20-degree weather? 
How many of you are seriously wondering, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to eat at lunch. I'm going to have to find somebody to borrow something. I don't know what I'm going to do. How many of us? How many of us are in that? But we want to stop and complain. We're like Elijah. I asked you for victory, and all you did was, like, give me water and food in the desert. But all you did was give me water and food. So I don't even say thank you. I have no hint of gratitude. All my There's no gratitude in my mouth. All that's in my mouth is complaining. I want to challenge you this morning. You've got to quit missing provision just because you have problems. Maybe God hasn't fixed your problem yet, but let's back up and take note of the fact that in the process of him working out my problem, there are little handfuls on purpose where he's giving me provision here, and he's blessing me here, and he's sending relationship here, and he's giving me a little token here and he's given and all of a sudden six months from now I'll wake up and my problem will be resolved but he didn't do it all at once he did it step by step by step he gave me food and water in the desert just to contain just to sustain me so that one day I would arrive where he wants me to be quit complaining about your problem and missing the fact that God is in control and he's he's blessing you step by step. Okay, so we're going to practice. We're going to practice because some of us haven't even done that this morning. Uh, we, we need to stop. We need to stop and practice pondering the things that he's already done. So so I know some of you in here wondering how you're going to pay your bills. I know some of you in here thinking, thinking how am I going to get my car fixed. I know some of you here going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my, my rent. Some of you going, I need a new job. Some of you, I need to be healed. But let's just stop for one moment and let's ponder and practice being thankful for what he's already done. So for the next 30 seconds, would you find two people, three people around you and just tell them something small God's done for you today? Already today. Hadn't he already done something for you today? He did for me. Come on, tell somebody. He woke me up this morning, Robert. I didn't want to get up, but he woke me up, right? I could, I could have stayed permanently asleep, right? All right, so I'm awake this morning. I, he gave me coffee. I didn't run out of coffee this morning. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Come on, ponder just a moment. Just ponder for a moment. Ponder for a moment the small things. It's just a preview. It's just a preview of what he's actually going to do. It's just a, I'm going to feed you and I'm going to water you in your driest moment. And it's just a preview that one of these days you're going to be out on top. But we don't take note. Quit missing provision simply because you got problems. Alter your focus and last I think that the key lesson for us is this. We've got to quit being distracted. Uh, God wants to have this encounter with Elijah. He wants to speak, and Elijah walks out on this, this uh, cliff overhanging the mountain, I guess. He's out there trying to hear God. And earth, wind, and fire shows up, which is a pretty good deal, but that ain't God right? It's loud. It's, it, it's noisy. It's, it's attention grabbing, but it's not God. And I want you to notice that what Elijah has to do to, to be victorious is that he has to finally push past the distraction of all those things, and he has to distinguish God's voice. Can I tell you this morning that Our victory this year is going to be wrapped up in whether or not we are able to distinguish God's voice. Can I also tell you with certainty that there will be distractions? In fact, I'm convinced, I'm utterly, totally convinced 
that the number one tool the enemy uses, uh, uses against us squirrels. Distraction. New. He told us to do old, but new. Are you with me? No, because some of you are distracted. The enemy uses distraction to keep us from being able to hear. So what happens is we're, like, we're, we're trying to, to lean in. That's what we got to do this year. We got to lean in. We got to lean in. We got to lean in. The Bible says that his sheep know his voice. So, so it's not like we don't know his voice. It's just that we get distracted because there are other voices. I, maybe, maybe you aren't like Pastor Steve and have other voices in, in my head. I, maybe you think now Pastor Steve needs counseling because he's hearing other voices. But some of y'all are crazy too because there are voices clamoring for our attention all the time. All the time. All the time. Noise. Noise. There are other voices, noise. But victory is wrapped up in hearing His voice. I just want to challenge you this morning. Quit listening to the loudest voice. Quit listening to the impressive voice. Quit listening to the awe-inspiring voice. Push past all of that because they're out there. And listen to the still, small I hate math. I quit math a long time ago because I wanted victory. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But I wrote an equation that I think maybe will help us. It's this. Distraction equals defeat. There's another equation. I like this one better. Voice equals victory. I want to tell you this morning that if in 2019 you could hear God, then you will experience victory. You go back, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, man, I'm about to go off on a little preacher rift about all the things that happen when we hear God's voice. Like, uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make you look it up. Why don't you go back and begin to do a little research about all that takes place, what His Word does for us it's a lamp almost I'm about ready it's a light we live on every see some of y'all know some of you don't know but what I know is this if we could ever understand that our victory is wrapped up in hearing his voice his voice. That's why when we come together on Sunday morning, I don't want you to show up in this place listening for Steve's voice. I want you to push past my voice and hear his voice. That's why when you come together on a, on a Sunday morning, I don't want you coming in here listening to a worship team. I want you to listen to his voice. Now, can you hear God in and through them? Yes, but, but, but you can also be distracted by, man, that worship leader. Boy, if they'd have just been a little tighter today, I would have been able to hear God. Then we get distracted. If, if that pastor, if he'd have just studied a little bit more, if, if the greeter had been just a little nicer and greeted just a little bit better, if, if the usher, usher would have ushed just a little bit, then I would have, 
That's squirrel, man. That's distraction. Who cares if, if, what, I, if, if what happens is if we come together and we hear God, then we've accomplished what God wants to accomplish. But I want you to take this out of the Sunday morning service. I want to take you to Monday. Because on Monday, there's going to be a lot of voices yelling for your attention. That crazy boss is going to, the kids, the bills, the sickness, the TV. It's all going to clamor for your attention. And if you get distracted, you won't hear him. So my question this morning to you is this, is who has the loudest voice in your life? Another question, what voice must you silence to hear his voice? I'm going to ask it again. What voice must you silence to hear his voice? Because if you hear his voice saying, this is the way. Go in it. It gives you direction. If you hear his voice saying, peace be still, then everything will calm down. And if you hear his voice saying, my grace is sufficient for you, then you can breathe easy because he's got everything I need. If I could ever hear his voice saying, be whole, then I would know that I'm going to be all right. If I could hear his voice say, anybody else? Understanding that if you could hear his voice, it would answer all your questions and all your issues and all your problems. But we become so distracted. We got to quit being distracted, y'all.